Hello. Hello. And welcome back to Film Flame. The podcast for two girls. Who should have gotten their degrees in film studies. But couldn't. Because it wasn't available at their college until their final semester. Try to explain all things film. I'm your co-host, Kim. She, her pronouns, as always. And I'm your co-host, Sadie. She, her pronouns, as well. And today we have a very serious one for you guys. Also long-awaited. I feel like we've talked about this one yeah. since day one. Yeah, we definitely mentioned this one a few times, so it's we're glad to finally have it here on a silver platter for you guys. Mm-hmm. Just for you. Yeah. And that is our Black Exploitation versus Afro-Surrealism episode. And you guys may be thinking, whoa, 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 what's with all the big words? We are going to define and explain them for you. Do not worry. We wouldn't just say these words and not tell you guys what they mean. Um, so we will get into that. That would be so mean of us if we just dropped yeah. them off. <laughs> to understand what they are. Yeah, those are two really big words. And if you haven't studied them, you're going to be confused. You're not going to know what they are. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know what they were until I learned about them. So that's okay. Don't feel yeah. like you're uneducated because you all got to learn sometime, you know? Yeah, we're all here and we're all learning. So mm-hmm. let's do it together. So we're first going to talk about black exploitation, what that is, what it means, where it came from, um, why it's important to know, and then we're going to get into Afro-surrealism, and we might talk about a few other things as well that are relevant to these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of movies as well that are yes. important to know for these. Um, so first, what is black exploitation? So it really is a subgenre of film that emerged in, I believe, the early 1970s is what I saw when we were mm-hmm. we did a lot of heavy research for this you guys so <laughs> did a lot of research for this one yeah um it's credited that the term was coined by junius griffin in 1972 um i believe that's how you say their name i'm so sorry if it's not um but yeah basically it was the Intent behind it was to really um, give more, I guess, of a voice to Black creatives, Black artists, mm. um, and to really bring in a Black audience, um, specifically into the movie industry. Although I do think Black exploitation and like physical like paintings and art in that way was also a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just going to talk about the film aspect of it. Um, but. Yeah, it that was the intent behind it. Unfortunately, though, it did, um, you know, per- perpetuate. Is that the word? Perpetuate? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. It sounded right, but also very wrong, because <laughs> I don't use that word a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it perpetuated a lot of stereotypes, um, mm-hmm. and obviously stereotypes are never a good thing. Um, so that wasn't great. Um, it also exploited the, where the exploit, part of the word come from um exploited black experience and black trauma um so that's not great but that is where the word comes from it it puts the word black and exploitation together to form that word um so Mm -hmm. pretty easy to remember i believe i think so too (laughs) okay i'm like maybe it's not but i think it is no it's pretty Um, self-explanatory yeah um because it brought, did bring in a new audience, studios were kind of putting these out very frequently, kind of doing, um, you know, quantity over quality. We're just putting out these out because they're like, this is what's bringing in, you know, this new Black audience into theaters, so mm-hmm. let's just keep putting them out. Um, so it was definitely used as a bit of a cash grab because, I mean, Black people were excited to see more movies with their faces on the screen. Mm-hmm which is totally fair, um, but unfortunately they, like I said, perpetuated a lot of stereotypes and that's never good. Um, some of these stereotypes, sorry, my phone decided to turn off at the worst <laughs> moment, um, but some of these stereotypes included like dealing drugs, lots of violence, um, I think it included um, portraying a lot of black people as like pimps, hustlers, and things of that nature. I don't mm-hmm. know if I have that in the notes here somewhere, but I don't know. I'm, I lost it. But yeah, and oh, I found it. And yeah, they usually play pimps, hustlers, prostitutes, and drug dealers. Um, 
which isn't to say that there aren't black people who are those things, but black people are also teachers and doctors and things like that. And so um, one critique, I believe, from the NAACP, but I could be wrong, it could be from someone else, but I think it's from the NAACP. Um, and they were just saying how there wasn't really anything with like, um, didn't give the black community any good role models um, because it was just showing these very stereotypical roles that some black people have um, instead of showing like all the good things. Um, and obviously that then like saturates the the film and entertainment world with these one-dimensional people and this one-dimensional idea of like who black people are, what black culture is, and what the black experience is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, those are some of the main critiques. Um, did I miss anything, Kim? Uh, no, I don't think you did. I think you got it all. Uh, and do you want to go over like what the examples are, some of the examples? Um, sure. Um, I know some of these are well-known just because of how mm-hmm. they saturated popular culture. Um, I'm sure mm-hmm. one of them you may know is... Hello? Sorry, <laughs> I heard that too. I was like, hello? That wasn't okay. <laughs> okay. scary at all. <laughs> it's a ghost. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> there's some of them on here that you might know fairly mm-hmm. well. Just Even just the names. Um, there's Black yeah. Um, Foxy Brown, Dolmite, um, Superfly. I know that's one I've heard of before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Shaft, um, The Mac, which is one I've also heard of, and Black Dynamite, just to name just a couple examples. And I know Blackula yeah. was a big, like a big one in mm-hmm. terms of like when they were all coming up. So that's just a few examples. There's so many more out there. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Like I looked up a list and there were so many and I was like, mm-hmm. Uh, and these are some that I've heard of growing up like in the black community I've heard of people honestly recommending these because I mean honestly people are just like this these are the movies I grew up watching you know mm-hmm. um but yeah there are very much negative stereotypes well every stereotype is negative but there are stereotypes in these um mm-hmm. that are it's not yeah yeah and I think just the sheer number of them shows just the amount of quantity over or yeah quantity over quality and that sort of thing mm-hmm. like yeah how how many of these films that were put out during this time mm-hmm. it just shows the man the demand of them was very 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 high yeah um and studios were like okay we're just gonna keep doing them and then people were like well mm-hmm. actually we don't like how it has this and they're like we don't care <laughs> yeah it was it was was making them money and so they were like all right mm-hmm. but are we really surprised mm-hmm and so I do think um, a lot of Black filmmakers, specifically today, but in general, really came in and wanted to give Black people movies that actually, you know, had good plots and mm-hmm. didn't only view Black people as one-dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's really important to a lot of Black filmmakers and still is really important to a lot of Black filmmakers. Um, so yeah, I think we really want to get into that and how... The other topic of Afro surrealism, how that came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, Afro surrealism is like, I think we we made this comparison between the two because they're so drastically different. Um, mm-hmm. Where they still use the black experience, but not in a way that feels like they're exploiting it and they're um it's not being used for a cash grab it's not being used to exploit the experience it's used to tell the experience in a way that hasn't been told before and it's um from the ones the examples we have it's being done in a really really well done i don't know in a really (laughs) in a really great way um so yeah um so after after My brain is like melted ice cream right now. I don't know. But um words are hard. They are. Thank you so much. Um so Afro Surrealism 
also puts two words together <laughs> afro <laughs> as an african american and surrealism as in surrealism <laughs> so once again not too hard to remember i hope um but what is that it's basically um it's used in a way to um what i i think kim you wrote this down um it distorts reality for emotional impact. Oh, I'm. I might have written that. I don't know who wrote it, but one of us wrote that. But basically, it looks to. It basically distorts reality in a way to. Um, what's the word? Emphasize reality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that sounds really weird because how is it distorting reality and emphasizing reality at the same time? <laughs> it's really m- messed up think about too hard but i promise you it makes sense um basically it's um really using like this magical realism um to explain the reality of something right it's to to really put an emphasis on something and it's really cool because a lot of these like i said use magical realism but it's also grounded mm-hmm. at the same time into some in Usually there's an aspect of it that's, like, so out there that you're like, okay, that's insane. But also, to a certain extent, it's a very real thing that either could happen or is happening currently in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool. Um, the way these directors and writers have come up with this. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to make sure I'm, like, does that sound right? Did I describe that, like, yeah. well? No, I think you did. Okay. Um, one thing I do want to note is that it mm-hmm. the term was more, I guess, defined um in around two thousand nine when D. Scott Miller okay. wrote the Afro Surreal Manifesto. Um, that's mm-hmm. where a lot of this like um phrasing and quotes and stuff comes from. Um, I know that he puts in the manifesto that Afro Surrealism looks to reveal the hidden world of Black contemporary life. Um, and there's a lot of other things. It's a, it's a really good manifesto. I do highly recommend you read it. But I think it goes through mm-hmm. and just lays out everything that you said. So that's the only note I would like to make. Thank you for adding that. Um, I definitely would say yes. Go ahead and read that. Um, especially if you want like more of an understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this one's also very important to know. Um, it kind of, like I said, it it kind of explains the black experience without exploiting that experience without exploiting black trauma which is mm-hmm. very important to to do um you don't want to go into a movie and just feel like your experience is being exploited for money like that mm-hmm. that would suck right um so to have it showcase your community's experience and do it in a way that you feel like really hits home is so important and these movies and shows that we're going to talk about we feel like really do that well um and i think i've really another uh, <laughs> another really important um aspect of these films is that they really don't care um if they're making their white audiences uncomfortable and i think that's mm-hmm. really important in general when it comes to movies that are made for pocs yeah. um but it it's very very important for these movies and particular movies and shows in particular because um that uncomfortableness that white audiences may feel um is a part of um, the impact that these movies i believe are trying to make so mm-hmm. that's that um so we start talking about some of these shows and movies yeah okay um i think we should start with maybe what I would consider the big three of Afro surrealism, and then we can talk about the other ones. Yeah, Does that, that sounds good, good to you. Okay. Yep. Um, I I feel like you know which three I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. um, it's going to be the movie Get Out by Jordan Peele, Sorry to Bother You by Boots Riley, and then Atlanta, which you guys may know from, from Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about those ones. Um, yeah. Should we do Get Out first? Yes. I think we should. Um, so Get Out was probably one of the first films that really showcased Afro surrealism. Um, mm-hmm. and it's really well known for like the symbolism that it has in it. Jordan Peele did a really great job, um, with the you know, the tea cup and mm-hmm. things like that. That's just it's really, really amazing all the 
just how clever Jordan Peele is. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the main things that um, I would take from Get Out as far as the Afro-surrealism and the themes, um, the second place thing really important. I think that that was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of... I, I think I wrote suppression of white identity, and I think I meant to put suppression of black identity, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I was tired when I wrote these notes. Okay, you guys need to be nice to me, please. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the second place is really important in that aspect of showcasing that. Um, there's also this aspect of black people being exploited and used for their bodies, which is something if you look close enough to society if you're not like looking away from society you'll see it but if you're looking close to society and like what's going on you'll see that Mm -hmm. um and that's something like currently going on but also has historically gone on in our society and in america um and it was really just cool seeing that be done in a way that's or to be shown in a way that isn't i don't say necessarily not super obvious because it is kind of obvious in the movie but also like it's, it's shown in a way that it hasn't been shown before that movie in particular, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are probably two of the bigger themes of the movie. It also does subvert this white savior trope, and Peel has talked about it himself, I believe, in interviews, where um, basically he was saying it was important that he didn't really give the white audience someone to kind of cling on to. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think of a lot of great black films, and they have the white savior trope, and I'm like, ooh, it kind of messed it up in a way. Like, for mm-hmm. me, um, Hidden Figures is a great movie, but they did yeah. have a white character who did not exist during that time, mm-hmm. and he was added just so that white people could have a character who they're like, yeah, see, I would be like him. I would have helped mm-hmm. them out, and that character didn't exist. They didn't have him to help them out, you know? Um And so I think it was really important that Jordan Peele decided not to have a character like that who they could cling on to and be like, no, some white people are good. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that I think, was definitely an aspect that, like I said before, made white audiences a little uncomfy. But, yeah. Would Would you like to add to that, Kim? Um, I feel like you hit all of the notes pretty well. You summed it up really well. I just think Jordan Peele's fil- films, especially if you're getting into Afro-surrealism and you're starting mm-hmm. out, I do think Get Out is a good one to start with, especially since because of yeah. it popularized Afro-surrealism and all of the ones that we're going to be talking about kind of follows after that. I feel like that set a great example and you still hear people talk about it today as one of Peele's I can't talk. One of Peele's like breakout, like out of his three films, a lot of people rank that as their favorite. So yeah, I think I yeah. And um yeah, next I would say I would say Sorry to Bother You might be the best example of Afro surrealism, but that mm-hmm. is just my opinion. That's one person's opinion, so you guys don't have to agree. Um, <laughs> but. The main things. Um, so there are horses in these. And I will yes. not go into further detail, but there are horses. Mm-hmm. If you're a horse girl, maybe you should watch that. <laughs> um, uh, that's certainly one way to get people into it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i not going to say too much about that because I want you guys to feel how I felt when I watched this movie for the first time. I yeah. did not know what I was in for. Mm-mm. Um. This is another one where it really talks about um, Black people being exploited and used for their bodies. I do think it came out not too long after Get Out. I feel like maybe it's a year after, maybe a year or two after Get Out. So that mm-hmm. would be the similar themes. Um, but they are still very, very different films. They're so... Yes. They're both very good. Um, so you should watch both. Just because <laughs> it has a similar theme doesn't mean you shouldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely showcases how Black people are used kind of as workhorses. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there's also this aspect of the white boys, which is so funny. I think it's definitely something that people in the black community have talked about before, but the way they use it in the film is so, um, what is it called? Like, it, it throws you off, and it's unsettling, that's the word, it's very mm-hmm. unsettling in the movie, where you're like, ooh, when you hear it for the first time, you're like, ooh, and even, like, watching it again, like, the characters hearing um, the main character, also really funny, like, Hugh Stanfield is in this big three, and, like, 
three of the big three that we're talking about. Oh, like, yeah. Really huh? crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about that, I'm like, why are you in all of these? <laughs> anyways, I, like, Keith Danfield is the main character of Sorry to Bother You, and that's why I remembered that. Um, but yeah, his character doing the white voice for the first time in front of, like, other characters, they were like, the one settled in so, like, dude, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, that's crazy. Um, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, it's a really great movie, honestly. I love rewatching it. I love watching clips from it. It's very mm-hmm. ever satirical. Um, yes. It's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess to add on to that really quick, um, mm-hmm. to go back to the whole white voice thing, I think it's really a good example to show, like, I guess, how code switching works, and especially code switching yeah. in, like, a corporate world. And that yeah. sort of notion of like if you want to be successful then you have to assimilate and mm-hmm. so i just feel like i just feel like sorry to bother you does a really good job of of showing that so yeah no yeah i agree 100 percent. and like to add on to that it's interesting too to see like even with that assimilation well i think i'm going to talk about it in the when i talk about atlanta too but i think there's a jc jay-z song where he talks about like um kind of just how black people are that, I think it's that same song where he's like um OJ is like I'm not black I'm OJ okay that song um mm-hmm. which is a really popular line um but I, he's basically talking about how like no matter what like you do no matter how successful you are as a black person people are still gonna see you just as like a lot of white people at least are gonna see you as like beneath them and so mm-hmm. that's what that song is talking about it's a really great song you guys should listen to it um I don't remember what it's called but it's a great song. Look up the line I said and you'll find it if you and some of you might know it already. You can tell me in the comments if you know what song I'm talking about. <laughs> um but anyways, so next one. You've seen Atlanta too, right, Kim? I've only seen parts of Atlanta. I haven't like sat down and okay. watched the whole thing through. Okay, because I, I knew for sure you had watched the other two, but I wasn't sure if you had seen all of Atlanta. Yeah, no, um, I haven't seen the whole thing yet. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I really like it, at least. Um, I, I I think all of these shows and movies that we're talking about um, have their critiques. Um, maybe I'll get into them in a second. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but Atlanta is definitely one that explores... Uh, it's another one that explores what it means to be Black in America, specifically in Atlanta, what that looks like. Um, I have never been to Atlanta, Georgia, or Georgia at all, so I <laughs> cannot say if like it's a good representation of Atlanta or not um but I know that it's a great show and it's a great example of Afro-surrealism um yeah I think I'm just going to talk about some of the episodes that really impacted me and that I still think about um after watching and finishing the show um I think it has four seasons and it ended on its fourth season and it ended really well in my opinion um yeah, so I'm going to talk about just three episodes that really stood, stood? Stuck. Stuck with me. <laughs> I was like, stood with me? That feels wrong. Um, so the first one is called Rich Wigga, Poor Wigga. Um, it is a play on words, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, but the episode is told in all black and white and basically there's this guy um, who is of mixed race but is very like white passing um, and he wants to get like I think there's like a scholarship for black people or something he's like wanting to be like to they're like all these black kids fighting for the scholarship basically and basically he's being tested on like how black he is which is really funny because that is a thing within black community where people say like oh I don't know it, it's it's I started stuttering and then I didn't know how to stop <laughs> <laughs> but basically like people will be like oh like I don't know how to explain it it's just a thing that happens like if you know you know um it's really funny like oh like I think there's a game too I forgot what it's called but there's a game that's like basically like testing you on how, how black you are and like your black card basically right um I don't know but it, it's a really interesting episode I really liked it um and there are stories of like things like that happening of like black people who are very white passing um especially in older times and a lot of complications of that um yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting episode, one I think about a lot. Um, another one is called 
uh, Three Slaps. It was based on the 1912 racial cleansing of Oscarville. I looked this up because I wasn't 100% sure of everything, um, but it's now known as Lake Lanier. Um, and then also the 2018 Hart family murders. Um, so basically this one, there's this black kid who ends up in the um, foster care system, I'm, I'm, I assume, and he basically gets taken in by this all-white family, and they also have taken in some other black kids, um, and it's very interesting because they're also, like, they're definitely not a better family than the family that he was, like, taken from, I guess, for better lack of words, um, and it's, yeah, it's a very, very devastating episode and a very hard episode to watch, um but I think a very like I'm it's one of those episodes where I'm glad they made it um because it's very important story to tell and I do think the ending of this one was very different than the ending of what really happened um I think in this episode they wanted to have a more positive um leave you with a more positive feeling than what um, actually occurred but definitely look into those episodes and then Another one that I think about a lot is the June Juneteenth episode. Um, it definitely put me in the mindset of Sorry to Bother You. So if you like that episode of Atlanta, um, then I definitely recommend watching Sorry to Bother You. And if you like Sorry to Bother You, then I definitely recommend Atlanta. Um, but basically, um, something that really stood out to me in this episode was there was this white man who was very obsessed with um, black culture. And in reality, he was really just obsessed with... Um, the stereotypes of black culture um but he was one of those people who was like oh like you don't know where from africa you're from and it's like no dog how am i supposed to know where i'm from like it's just one of those things where like the white person thinks they know more about black culture than the black person and you're just sitting there like okay <laughs> but yeah those are some great episodes of atlanta that i think you guys should watch um and yeah, all of them have, not all of them, but a lot of them have, like, this very magical realism aspect, but it's also still a very grounded show, and I really can appreciate that. Yeah, I've only seen, like, I've only seen bits and pieces where I've been told about episodes of Atlanta, and so mm -hmm. it, it sounds very interesting, and I do definitely want to mm -hmm. sit down and, like, actually watch it, like, not just have it as background noise. So yeah. when, I, when I get time, I will definitely start it, and I don't yeah. really know what I think. I definitely feel like it's one you need to, like, sit down with, so that's totally fair. Yeah, just from the little bits I've heard of it and seen, I, like, I, like, know this is just one that needs my full attention, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will say one of my critiques for, not really for Get Out, like, um, but for the other two is, like, the love interests are both, like, lighter skin tone mm, black woman mm -hmm. and I do think for both of these it would help the story even more if they casted and that's not anything against the actresses in the film I love the actresses they chose but um I think especially for Sorry to Bother You it would have made a lot of sense to have casted a darker skin black woman but mm -hmm. love interest but that's that's just my opinion, my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I but agree. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise really great. Um, you definitely should check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the big three for a reason, I feel mm -hmm. like. They're, when people bring up Afro-surrealism, they definitely bring up these three, so I wanted to bring up those first and then talk about a few other ones. Yeah. What do you want to get into next? Um... Well, do you want to talk about the shows we each individually watched? <laughs> sure, yeah. Okay. Um, you can go first. Okay. So I finally got around to watching Swarm. Um, Swarm, mm -hmm. I know, came out earlier this year. And it was something that I put on my list. And so this episode was finally an excuse for me to go through and watch it. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a crazy show. Dominique Fishback does such a phenomenal job in this show. I feel like it's just, it is so, she does such a good job. So pretty much this whole show, it's very much commentary on um, fan culture and like stands. And it's pretty much like a play on like the Bay High for Beyonce, which is why it's called Swarm. Um, 
and it's on the surface about that, but I feel like underneath it's very much about um, this sense of loss and abandonment that she's going through the whole time and this kind of need to have um, like a figure in her life to kind of keep her together. So pretty much Mm -hmm. it's her, she has an obsession with, um, I believe the artist's name is Nyjah, which is the equivalent Mm -hmm. to Beyonce. Um, And she, Dre, who is the main character, loved it with her um, foster sister, Marissa. And so spoilers for Swarm, in episode one, Marissa dies. She is, I don't think it's, I'm trying to remember if it's fully explained in the show how she died, but pretty much she just gets these few texts from Marissa um, about being able to pick her up and take her home because she was with her um, boyfriend at the time. Um, They got into a whole argument. He kicked her out and all that sort of thing. And she doesn't see those texts until the morning after. And so then she goes home and then she finds um, Marissa dead. And so then that sends her into a whole spiral. And so Dre and Marissa would go to Nija concerts together or try to get tickets to Nija concerts when they were younger. So she very much sees her relationship and love for Marissa in Nija. And around that time, uh, like the same, we learned at the same time that um, Marissa was sending these texts, Nija had sent out or had released a new album. And so there was a big thing on like social media because um, Dre ran a fan account, I believe, on Twitter for Nija. And so they, there's this whole thing. They find out very quickly about Marissa because she was a big fan and kind of known in this the scene. And so they find out that she's dead. And then there's this whole thing on like Twitter where it's like, oh, you know, the new album killed Marissa or whatever. And that sort of discourse and that sort of thing. And so then pretty much the rest of the series um, goes on to be like, it's Dre defending Nija. It's whoever would say like, so she would ask people um, a lot who their favorite artist was. And if they didn't say Nyjah, she would automatically like kind of have a hit list almost. Um, like if they mm-hmm. said no, then pretty much either that episode or the next that person would be dead. Um, oh. It was it was a crazy. It was so crazy. Um, I, I was <laughs> not expecting you to say that. No, literally. It's such a crazy show because the first episode. Um, I believe a similar thing happens because she goes over to um, Marissa's now ex-boyfriend's house. And she I believe she asks him that question and straight up murders him at the end of that, that oh. um, episode. And I was like... I mean, slay? I mean, <laughs> slay, but also I was not expecting that to go. Yeah. And so that's how like the whole um, the whole series goes. And so it's... It's very interesting how, because this is also done by Donald Clover, so I yeah. kind of got a similar feeling to like the little bits I've seen in Atlanta, and I'm sure mm-hmm. this is probably what Atlanta kind of feels like of this sort of like. There's very like, I don't know how to super explain it, but like kind of like 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 an eeriness, yeah, eeriness yeah. and like airiness, like it's both yeah. airy and airy. Yeah. Um. Throughout the whole show, and I think this it was also really interesting in Swarm, is that it goes through different years. So I think it starts in like 2016, um, and I'm trying to remember what year it ends in, but it goes through different years of Dre's life and kind of showing that she still is holding on and very connected to Nyjah throughout her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe she um like I think it's the second to last episode, or it might be the last episode. She like straight up kills her girlfriend. <laughs> because oh. she doesn't like Nyjah the way that she likes Nyjah and it's very much the and throughout the throughout the um series it's her grappling with her um her sexuality she has mm-hmm. some kind of mental illness that doesn't that we don't super get into um there's one episode in which she is in a cult led by Billie Eilish um oh it, that was a really I was like, Billie Eilish, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> that was a really interesting episode, though, diving yeah. into Grey's psyche, because it's pretty much, like, you know, cults work in weird ways, and it was very much diving into her, mm-hmm. like, just this repetition 
so the whole scene is um billy eilish and dre i can't remember what billy eilish's character is i just saw billy eilish the whole time um but it's them <laughs> sitting in a room and it's pretty much billy eilish's character telling dre um what's your name and she was using a fake name at the time because she was going around killing people um so yeah. she didn't use her her real name mm-hmm. um and that can also be equated to the sort of identity crisis that she's kind of having throughout this whole right series without her without marissa by her side because marissa was very much her anchor into society and that sort of thing but so during that time and then pretty much we get it repeated a couple times and then she finally says her real name dre and then she finally discloses like all the stuff that she's been doing leading up to that episode Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and so it's very much a, a dive into dre's psyche and where dre is at at that moment because i think in that episode it's either might be a couple years removed from the very first episode and so it's just very interesting to see this progression and especially how with how the um series ends so um she does meet nyjah once before the final episode she sneaks into like an after party and that sort of thing um and um it becomes the girl who well she wasn't known as the girl who bites nyjah but she is the one who bit nyjah um it's very much a a very artsy scene of her um there was like a tray of plums that gets carted in front of nija and so we see her like eating the plums but then we end up finding out that she was like biting nija which is oh my gosh which is absolutely insane and then there's this whole like twitter storm about it um and then at the for the final episode she gets to finally meet nija again and it's very interesting because then all of a sudden we don't know because like Nyjah's face ends up getting um, meshed with Marissa's face and so now mm-hmm. we don't know if what she's seeing is like reality or if this is all mm-hmm. in her head and that sort of thing and so I just Swarm was a very very interesting show I think it was it was really good Do- like I said Dominique Fishback put on a phenomenal Mm -hmm. performance she did so well in that show i highly recommend to watch it even just for her performance alone like she Mm -hmm. she carries it she does such a good job but i also think it does a lot of there's a lot lot of interesting themes and explorations of what it means to be a black woman because there's a whole um Mm -hmm. like i think in the second episode she's trying to get into some sort of fitness center and they weren't letting her in and then all of a sudden there's this guy who comes by and like mistakes her for someone else but then is like but then he says oh are they being racist not letting you in when he's the one being racist by <laughs> her for someone else yeah. um and so it's very much about what it means to be a black woman and what it means mm-hmm. to um you know exploring her abandonment and um you know mental illnesses and stuff like that and that sort of um I guess the sort of theme of like sisterhood and that sort of bond and what happens if you lose that and that sort of thing so Storm is a very interesting show, and it's it may seem crazy, but it's it makes sense in the end, and I promise it's a good watch. <laughs> That's a great review. Um, I definitely still it's on my list. I have not started it yet. That's because I was busy watching I'm a Virgo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so funny. It's I heard about this show, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a Virgo. I gotta check it out. <laughs> Um, but also, it, I found out that it was also done by Boots Riley, who did Sorry to Bother You. Oh! Um, and, yeah, so I gotta say, he's definitely two for two so far. Um, <laughs> first of all, the fact that Sorry to Bother You was, like, his breakout film that he did, and it was so amazing and so well done. And then he comes out with I'm a Virgo years later, like, he's actually, like becoming one of my favorites i know two may not seem like a lot but i think it's really smart that he's not putting out hundreds of projects back to back um mm-hmm. so i will say so far he has my attention um the next boots riley project i will be seated um <laughs> so far i've really enjoyed both of his projects um so i'm a virgo is basically um it is about a 13 foot tall 18 year old boy um so when I say magical realism, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, 13 foot people don't really, they're not really common. Um, I don't believe. Um, but it's really interesting. It's 
I mean, on a more like, um, what's the word? Like, not subtle, but more, more like, um, if you're not looking for like any nuance or looking for any, like, if you're not digging for anything else, it really is about, um, this boy kind of, um, who was sheltered from society and kind of making his way in that society and making, um, and figuring out his place, right? Um, but also this, um, this kind of, I don't know, a lot of people, when he finally, you know, came out, he, obviously, a lot of eyes are on him, he's 13 foot t- feet tall, um, there's not a lot of people who look like him, um, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of attention on him for those reasons, and people are giving him a lot of love and a lot of, like, I don't know, he gets a modeling gig and stuff because of that, um, and things like that, but then all of a sudden he's gets a lot of hate um and lots of like violence targeted towards him and things like that as well um so it's really interesting um seeing that switch but also just when it was just like the um positive attention i would say like it was very much just because of what he looks like and not who he is and i think um that was really important for boots riley to write that in um but aside from that it really is a lot about like um over policing or policing in general um and when i say that i don't mean just like literal police but like um when you think back to like trayvon martin and his murder like when um who was who was that i forget the guy's name but the guy who murdered um trayvon martin was just on like what they called watch like what's it called when people like do neighborhood watch he was doing that i think and that's when that happened and so he's not he wasn't really like a part of the police team he had called the police and i don't know if everyone remembers the case i'm talking about but um you guys can always look it up if you don't know what we're talking about but um basically over policing as in someone who very much is not a police officer in kind of taking in that um role even though they shouldn't be because they do not have the training or anything necessary to do that. Um, so there are definitely things of that, but also of capitalism. And um, uh, one of the, um, they, they explain it really, really well and really well visually. Um, but so one of the friends that the main character, his name is Kuti, and one of the friends he makes um, dies because the hospital wouldn't take him in um, because of like insurance things or whatever mm-hmm. and he was literally like bleeding to death and they would not take him in um because he didn't have like the right insurance or whatever um and so they were explaining how that actually um goes into capitalism and I, you have to watch it to see how they explain it because i'm not gonna be able to explain it well but <laughs> it was a really good um explanation of it and a, and a good explanation of why you know capitalism isn't good for anyone but especially hurts black people specifically um and yeah, it was a really great show. Lots of great themes. Um, I definitely recommend. It was it was very very interesting. It sounds interesting. It's still on my list to yeah. watch. Definitely, definitely. Um, I definitely plan on it. Yeah. Well, let me know if you watch. I it. will. There is of course. also. There's, um, I forget his name, but I know he's also in the show Insecure, um, and he popped in for a couple episodes, and I was like, what are you doing here, King? Um, <laughs> but he did a really good performance in it as well. Like, all the actors in this did a really good performance, but, um, he had just stood out to me because I hadn't really seen him in much else besides Insecure, um, mm. and in this, he plays such a different character, um, but I definitely want to see him in, like, um, like a horror or a thriller because of his portrayal of his role in this was just so intense, and I was like, what is going on but i liked it <laughs> i love that i love when actors are in different projects and then you're like what are you yeah. doing here and then they do something totally different and you're like oh i didn't know you could do that yeah they like surprised you you're like oh okay <laughs> that's so funny mm-hmm. um what do you want to talk about now i don't know we have we have two we do have two which one do you want to start with well one of them i didn't really do you want to talk about that one? Because I didn't really vibe with it. Oh, they cloned Tyrone? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. I think it was... I honestly just need to, like, actually... I Because I, I think I was just not in, like, a mood to watch, like, a movie. Movie, you know what I mean? Like That's fair. I, yeah. I think I need to... Like, you know I what I'm saying? How... 
Yeah, no, I, I was going to say a no. break watching it. I think oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think I needed to take breaks. That's what, because that's what I did with um Last Man in San Francisco. And so I think mm. I should have done that with this one as well, because I didn't do that. Yeah, no, because this one's a lot. I think I should have, yeah. Because I took a couple breaks in there, just for breathers, just because there's a lot going on in this movie, and it kind of mm-hmm. happens, and you're just like, what is happening? So yeah. I, I definitely think this is a movie that needs some breathers in between, because there's just a lot going on. Yeah, and the pacing, like, didn't help with that, I think. I was like, what The pacing was a little right wacky, now? I agree. Yeah, there were some but, there were some points like when I took the breaks where I was like, oh, we're only thirty minutes in. Like, yeah, there was, that's there was when some I was watching like it. That. I was like, we have so much time left. Mm-hmm. So no, I one hundred percent agree with you. It's it's the pacing's kind of wonky, and there's just a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk about it more so because I feel like you you got a better understanding of it for what it was. Um, so they cloned Tyrone. Um, first of all. My man John Boyega is back in this film. I was very excited. I was very excited to see him. And um, the other actress, Tiana Parrish, is that her name? I think that's her name. Tiana Parrish. Oh, she was also Mm -hmm. um, plays. um, What's her name? Monica. Monica Rambo. Right. Yeah, Monica Rambo. Okay, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah, so there was um, that, and then Jamie Fox were the the big mm-hmm. three main characters of this. Mm-hmm. It was a very it was a very interesting film. Again, there's a lot happening in this movie. If you do watch it, a lot, I do recommend you take a few breaks because there's just so much happening all the time, and it's very fast paced, but also kind of slow at some points. And so I'm just kind of like, yeah, what's happening. And maybe that's intentional. I'm not sure. I, I might need to rewatch mm-hmm. it to figure out if that was intentional or not. Um, but mm-hmm. they clone Tyrone is very much um, so. Oh, I have to adjust to get into it. <laughs> so it's a very interesting movie because we get to know John Boyega's character Tyrone, um, and then he dies, <laughs> <laughs> which was so crazy. I was like, "Oh, so that's the kind of movie we're watching." Right, because it's, like, the very beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, it's, like, I think it's literally, like, the first 10, 15 minutes it happens. And I'm, like, okay, that's where we are. I will say that was intense. It was intense. Um, And then he comes back to life, but in a different body, question mark? (laughs) Um, Hence the name of the movie, They Clone Tyrone. Mm -hmm. We come to find out that there's cloning happening and that sort of thing. It's a crazy movie. It's one that's hard to explain because it's one that you kind of need to watch in order to get what's going on. Because mm-hmm. there's just so much going on. Um, but I feel like this film was very much in the vein of Afro-surrealism as in like, it was just, there was a lot of futuristic elements and I feel like sci-fi elements as yeah. well in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like those were two of the big, like extra things that were in there. Um, and so there was that, but I feel like this film very much talks about um, similarly to some of the other big three of uh, black exploitation and exploitation of black bodies and the mm-hmm. use of that in society. So I think I think that was the big message. Be- wow, the big message behind they clone Tyrone. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, those are my thoughts on the movie. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know if yeah. you want to talk a little bit about what your your thoughts were. Honestly, no. Like I, <laughs> I do think like I told Kim after I watched it. Like I think I just need to watch it again and maybe take breaks because, literally, even like after I watched it, I went on Letterbox. I was like, clearly, like like am I missing something? And all the reviews on Letterbox were honestly so like, this is a brilliant film, blah blah. blah. And I was like, I clearly need to watch this again. Like it's clearly <laughs> me that's wrong, you know. Like, I don't say that often. As a Virgo, I'm not someone who is, like, comfortable saying I'm wrong. But I do think <laughs> I was wrong <laughs> this time around. I do I do think I need to watch it again and maybe take breaks. Because I watched it just straight through and it was just so, like... I think I was already, like, out of it that day for some reason, too. And then just mm. watching such a, like, wonky movie did not help, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so. I get you. It's, it's very in-your-face and just a lot going on. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely recommend taking breaks if you watch this. Like, I feel like I remember, like, 
the first 15 minutes of it like that you were describing and i remember like a scene where they're like i don't know if it was a climax or not but they're like um confronting another group of people and at, at that point i was like literally what is happening <laughs> like i feel like i had missed so much and i was like mm-hmm. i swear i haven't like fast forwarded or anything i'm just here now apparently <laughs> i don't know how we got here yeah no i get yeah. it yeah i was just very confused when i watched it but i'll watch it again <laughs> When you watch it again, let me know what your thoughts are the second time around. I will. I definitely will. Um, and another movie we're going to talk about is one we've talked about many a times. <laughs> it's just an excuse to talk about it again. Yeah, we love this one. It's another Jordan Peele film. We're talking about, honestly, <laughs> the way we talked about the big three directors twice. Like, <laughs> It's so funny. I didn't even realize that. Wait, I also did not realize that. The making these um, mm-hmm. Afro surrealist projects, I guess. Um, they're just they're all really clever and really smart. Um, so yeah, this is another Peel film. Peel Peel. Fil- I don't know why it sounds weird saying that. <laughs> Jordan Peel movie. <laughs> um, and it is nope. Um, we talked about this before. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, I love Nope. Sadie's love Nope. We'll take any excuse to talk about Nope. Um, but I think this film very much talks about... So, there's a lot of themes that go on in Nope, but I feel like they're all very... But I feel like they're all kind of obvious if you're if you're watching the movie, you know? Um, but I feel like the the very big one is Nope touches on how Black people often aren't credited for their creations, um, i.e. Mm-hmm. The, the Black Jockey. There's that whole mm-hmm. scene in which Emerald is like, you know the Black Jockey, but you don't know his name. Mm-hmm. So that's a very big theme. And also another big one, which I feel like is a, a trend among all these movies, is of course the exploitation of black bodies and black talent mm-hmm. and how they're used within especially the entertainment industry without any credit and overworking yeah. them for not even giving them any of their flowers. Yeah. So I feel like those are the two very big themes in Nope. Um mm-hmm. alongside so many others. <laughs> yeah. I mean you worded it really well. Um, I think there's a good mirroring in the film of the exploitation of Black people, Black bodies, with the exploitation of animals in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it with, you know, the horses. We've seen it with the monkey. What's the monkey's name again? I don't remember. I'm trying to I'm remember. not remembering any characters' names. <laughs> um, oh, my God. What? I don't know. I, like, just recently I remember. I remember Joop's name. Yeah. I like literally just rewatched it too. I can't remember. Um, I feel like it's a very like obvious name too. We're gonna be so mad. We are. Gordy. Oh remember Gordy's home, right? Gordy's home. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I definitely um, remember. Yeah, Gordy. Um those are just really I don't know, this is a really great movie really great themes um yeah i liked the the um i mean there's the whole um what is it called the whole spectacle aspect is really good and like yeah, the whole spectacle means mm-hmm. i mean so like the length someone will go to capture a spectacle right into mm-hmm be a part of that spectacle in some way and say that they're a part of it in some way um is really mm-hmm. interesting and then i mean the trauma behind it as well right with Ju- yeah, and Jupiter it's really interesting and it's like taking instead of instead of like having i guess survivor's guilt it's like what if you take it and view it in the lens of a miracle right and then mm-hmm. take that even further. And it's like, well, since I survived, obviously I can tame whatever I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Like any creature. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, 
That's just oh, it's just such a good movie. Such a good movie. We we'll say it every time. Watch Nope if you have it. Yeah, please, please watch it. It's just so good and like the TMZ at the end was just such a like oh, great so detail. Good. Like, oh, I love that. So good. But definitely Especially... my favorite Jordan Peele film. Oh yeah, mine too. I just I love Nope. It's so ambitious, but I think mm-hmm. it does such a good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel like all the projects that we talked about under Afro Surrealism are really ambitious, but they all mm-hmm. these directors and writers were able to hit the nail on the head so perfectly and get yeah. their point across in such a great way. Absolutely. I would 100% agree. I feel like mm-hmm. they're just, they seem kind of out there, but it's like they, they knew what they were, they wanted with each of the projects. And so, you know, you get that across them. Mm-hmm. I would 100% agree. Um, I think the last thing we might want to talk about, um, maybe in contrast to all this Afro-surrealism, is definitely about, um, like, I don't know if there's an actual phrasing for it, uh, but, like, Black trauma films. We kind of talked about Black exploitation films, and those are very similar to what we're going to be talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Black trauma films specifically exploiting trauma that Black people in America have faced, um, such as police brutality, gang violence, or slave films. Um, and while some of these films can be very good, um, think, like, Boys in the Hood or um, 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. Is that how? Yes, 12 Years a yeah. Slave. Mm-hmm. Um, those are pretty good films, but they do still... Boys in the Hood isn't as bad, I would say, but 12 Years a Slave, I think, definitely still very much exploits black trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And other films like this definitely do. Um, yeah, and it's like, I do think it's important to tell stories of police brutality, of slavery, and of gang violence and things like that but it's also important to remember that those aren't the only black stories out there um, right and to make black films that are i mean not even just these afro surrealist films right like not everyone has the type of brain power to make these films <laughs> but even just like a black vampire movie or mm-hmm. a, a black princess movie or a black um pirate movie or a black mystery movie you know something there, there really should be something for all the different to show all the different walks of life that Black people can have, mm-hmm. um, instead of just saturating with, with well, we, if we have to tell the Black story, we have to tell Black trauma. I just don't think that that's necessarily true all of the time. Mm-hmm. Because then it just puts um, the Black experience into a monolith, and we never want mm-hmm. that. Exactly. Um, and I was going to say another thing, but I forgot. But it also, <laughs> like, um, it kind of makes it out that the black experience starts with slavery and that's simply not the case mm-hmm. um i mean you can go back to woman king by gina prince bythewood don't know if i said her name correctly um but it is a wonderful film it takes place kind of right before slavery or around slavery um but it takes place in africa and it shows kind of some of the customs and traditions that were taking place in africa and it's also just a good ass, sorry, badass <laughs> uh, <laughs> film for women. I don't know what I'm saying half the time. It's okay, um, but it's really cool seeing amazing women fighting and doing cool stuff. Um, yeah, badass like stunts and stuff. It's a great film. Um, also, Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe is a great book you could read. Um, takes place again right before slavery. It takes place in Africa, um, and it shows again some of those customs and traditions in Africa. Um, I feel like it also is a good indicator of why, um, how, I guess, colonization and things like that were able to take place and happen. Um, yeah, it's a book that I've read multiple times for school. I read it um, in middle school and then again in high school and then again in college. So it's a book I know pretty well, um, but definitely a great book to read. Um, but yeah, even even those are still taking place right before slavery. There's even a history before that. Um, so definitely do your own research. Watch, I mean, watch more movies also. Um, it's good in, to encourage people to make more movies like that as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just want to say that's really that. cool that you read that book at like three different stages of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy. Kind of, yeah, I guess I'm kind of curious, like how 
did did your experience reading it change um I definitely would say so um sorry I got like really uncomfortable sitting down and tried to like switch and then everything started moving it was really weird (laughs) no you're Um, good but definitely um like the first time around I think um our teacher kind of what's the word like navigated us and how to read it and stuff I guess like um and like what it was about and um kind of preferencing prefacing prefacing that it was um kind of response to um Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness which is a terrible read a very racist read um if you know me you know I hate you I hate Heart of Darkness (laughs) with a passion yeah that is all I have to say it is very, to put blatantly, very racist um, story, and some people try to critique it as like, no, well, he's not racist. The main character is racist, but I don't know. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you write something that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but things fall apart was basically a response to that, and um, a response to, um, and kind of trying to show because he did. Um, Joseph Conrad basically wrote. Um, kind of what Kim was saying later earlier, um, like black people as a monolith and as one dimensional, whereas um and things fall apart, you can see all these African people um as individuals, which is really great to obviously see. Um and you can see none of them as none of them were perfect per se, but it wasn't just one dimensional at, at all either. Um and they all had their own individual want and desires and that's always important for a character um but yeah I definitely think each time um I've read I gotten something different out of it each time um and I think like the first time around I will say like um I didn't think I don't think I had a lot of necessarily sympathy for the main character Okonkwo um but I think the second and third time around um I don't know I feel like the my emotions for that character were definitely more complicated those times around. Um, but it's a very good book. Um, I really enjoy it. I, I really recommend it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Um, there is a chapter that um, is very, very heartbreaking. I think there's a lot of heartbreak in the story, but that specific chapter that's very heartbreaking. Um, and it is heartbreaking each time um it's like watching a sad movie and being like oh i've seen it before i'm not gonna cry this time and then crying all over again um it definitely has that feeling to it so good luck if you do read it oh man yeah but that's so cool though i'll have to check it out yeah i, I think feel like enjoy I, it. I feel like i've read it maybe before or maybe i've read Possibly. one of his other works i i know that makes sense yeah yeah. Yeah. Um well, let me know if you read it. Yeah. Of course. I'm always um, looking for things to read. So Yeah. Do you have anything else to add to the the black trauma portion of this that we were talking about? Um, no, I think you covered it pretty well. I just I wanted to bring this up just because of the contrast and because mm-hmm. you know, there's always that discussion whenever a new film comes out like recently there was till that came out of like mm. well these stories do need to be told but also right. like where's the line of just we continue exploiting black trauma so yeah. i just think that was it also an important point to bring up as well as we're talking about all of this mm-hmm. i think that's a great point like um like i don't know it just like I, it is an important story to know about like if you don't know about Emmett Till and what happened with him you should look it up um mm-hmm. it's something that um I studied in art class as well um but yeah it's just it's like these stories are important and you should do your own research on it and I do understand that media is a, a way that a lot of people first start getting their introduction to these stories but it just is unfortunate when those are the main black stories that are being talked about because not all black people are it's not just their trauma we want little fun little stories as well. Yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> I also think that's fair. It's really not that hard to ask for. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, that's all we have. 
Yeah. Um, we hope you guys learned at least one cool thing. Um, if you learned something new in this, please comment down below what you learned. Um, we'd love to know that we, you know, I don't know. It, it feels good. We did a lot of research for this episode, so it just feel really good to know that we taught someone something new. Um, so please let us know in the comments so we can stroke our egos a little bit. Um, Not to stroke our <laughs> egos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? I mean, no, you're not. So, <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. Make sure to follow our social medias at Film yes. Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're really funny, mm -hmm. and we do different things on both platforms. So you should follow. Yes. Us. Um, be prepared for a lot of stuff planned for both of those accounts. Yes. Uh, That's why you should follow both. And yeah and yeah we'll be back next week <laughs> yeah that's all thank you for yeah listening. next week is gonna be more fun yes i promise lots of laughs in the next episode mm -hmm. we'll, lots we'll of good laughs in the next week. episode so um, it'll be a little more lighthearted. yeah so that's all for today's episode thanks for yes. listening thanks for listening goodbye okay bye